Welcome to the Ridge Community Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button and find us online at theridgecc.com. At our website, you can catch up with everything that's happening at The Ridge, watch previous messages, and learn more about who we are. If you want to watch services live, you can catch them every Sunday via our online community at live.theridgecc.com. We hope this message inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Well, I want to start by celebrating, but I got to clue you in first why. See, if you are joining us online right now, maybe you're hanging out at the Oak Creek Franklin campus. Here in Greenfield, we just got to see some people go public with their faith in Jesus by being baptized. And we really do think we're one church in multiple locations. So join in, make some noise wherever you're at. Let's celebrate those folks one more time. Oh, so good, so good. Baptism days are the best days. And hey, uh, just one quick special thing for those of you in Oak Creek, Franklin. Man, like your pastor, Forrest, and your team there, they're celebrating, they're praying, they're dreaming, they're planning for your first set of baptisms. And we all promise we will cheer so loud. You can hear us from all the way over here. So um, we just, just know we're praying for you already and excited for what is yet to come. Well, now that we had some serious warm fuzzies, I'm gonna pick a fight because I'm a troublemaker, that's how I roll. (laughs) I want you to pick a side and online, just drop an emoji in the chat. Oak Creek Franklin, make some noise here in the room. You gotta make some noise, be a troublemaker with me. You're gonna pick either team Thanksgiving or Christmas, okay? So who is fat pants and leftovers? You're still on team Thanksgiving. One lady and she is way committed. Good for you, ma'am. You must make really good food. Okay, Um, everybody else, Team Christmas, tree up. Carol's going, cookies made. You are my people, I knew it. I'll talk to you later, we'll convince you. Um, Okay, Uh, here's the thing. I love Christmas, I'm all in. But if I'm gonna go Clark Griswold on you, it's only ever gonna be for one thing. And it's my eternal quest for the perfect family photo for my Christmas card. Okay, but let me explain why. See, I grew up as a child in a divorced family, single mom, not a lot of money. So most years, maybe, maybe we'd get a mall Santa photo. But like in my mind's eye, I could never even dream up what you see on Pinterest and Instagram these days. Um, but I'm, I'm fine with that, I'm okay, because like now's my time. I got a good looking husband, I got two kids. We're not gonna bore you with a letter, I don't need that. Let's just do the humble brag thing where I slap their photo on a card, send it to you, and you know, I have the cutest family ever. The problem with that is that it has never ever once happened. Like we've never taken a good photo with all of us together. Okay, first year we have both kids. Um, This is how it goes. And you can see, now this is, no. We had to have a friend Photoshop this because my son had pink eye and a cold. So there were eye goobers and boogers that had to get taken out of this. It was a fiasco. We tried it at home a couple more times. Finally, my husband is like, let's do it at the Ridge. I'm like, oh, duh. Because if you've never been with us for Christmas before, one of my favorite things that we do is go to the photo booth every year. And you can see some of us liked it, some of us did not. Um, Now, you can go back in Ridge archives. This same thing happened multiple years in a row. 
no lie. So eventually my husband takes pity on me and uh, he says, okay, spend the money. Clearly we need professional help. And we do. So I, I book the photographer. We do it at this magical, magical location. And we do, we take the best Christmas photo ever. Here it is. But we have two kids. The one that's missing was wearing a 4th of July tank top and no shoes and throwing a tantrum in the car. So, yeah. So then the next Christmas comes, I'm a year older, I'm a year wiser, I'm like, all right, I gotta reset my expectations and let's just lean into our strengths. So this is what we sent out last year. <laughs> this is them in a, in a photo, both of them. 100%. Now you all want to be on my Christmas card list, right? Because we're going to send to you who we really are. We're going to be the one family that gets real honest this time of year. Well, look, I can laugh now. I really can't. I love it. I actually think it's, it's really, truly who we are. Uh, but there were a lot of those prior years, if I'm real honest, I was hacked off. And I know it's like a little thing. It's a stupid thing. It's a photo. It's a card. But I just, in my heart of hearts, knew that if I had it, I would have a good holiday. If I could take what I didn't have here and put it here on these people today, and of course I didn't tell them that, but if they would just do what in my mind I was thinking I wanted them to do, then my Christmas season would be awesome. But I'm sure I'm the only one that's ever done that, right? So uh, let me just be real bold real quick and start with a question. Do you have any, any, unrealistic expectations for Christmas this year? Maybe just one or two, like family dynamics you're wishing would disappear that you could leave behind you. Financial stressors you're gonna sweep under the rug and just ignore. Maybe a cluttered calendar that's full of stress. Maybe you have relational issues, a longing for somebody who's gonna be missing for the first time this year. Or maybe, man, you just want God to bring you a partner that you can go through the holidays with and he just hasn't provided that person yet. Let me tell you, whatever your expectations, they don't have to control your holiday, they don't. And over the next few weeks, we're gonna learn how to turn off the chaos, off the stress of unmet expectations, and we're gonna give you the ability to truly enjoy the holiday season, no matter your circumstances. And not just this Christmas, but beyond. Jesus gives us a glimpse of what I'm talking about when he says this, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Now see, Jesus starts and he calls it right out. He says, my peace is different. It needs to be segregated from the peace of the world. It's a good mood in pleasant circumstances. Peace of the world is like, I take a beach vacation during winter in Wisconsin and I, I'm sitting there with my hot spouse next to me with an umbrella drink. The kids actually are getting along and playing and making a sandcastle. And then you snap out of it because you remember that's not your reality. Your reality is your spouse hasn't talked to you in two days, your boss is a sociopath, your kids have the flu, your therapist is the one that's on the vacation. Mm -hmm. Jesus, how do we get your kind of peace? The Apostle Paul writes, don't worry about anything, instead pray about everything. And here's the thing. If somebody invited you for the first time today, or maybe you've been coming a few times, but you aren't sure what you believe about Jesus yet, you're gonna look at me and go like, I'm supposed to pray, Jody, and that's like the magic answer, then my Christmas is gonna be great. That's the churchiest church answer ever. 
we're going to get to the why in a second, but you need to hang on because Paul's setting up this framework for us that we need to understand the why later, okay? Paul's setting up an if this, then that mentality. So just track with me for a couple of minutes, okay? So if this, if we pray, he even tells us what to pray for. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. These two things. If this, then that, then you will experience God's peace. Again, it's different. It's supernatural. It's something only he can do. It's so big, it exceeds anything we can understand. And it's so powerful too. It's powerful enough that his peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And the other amazing thing about God's peace is that it's permanent. The circumstances of the moment do nothing to impact it. And if you want that peace this season, I know I do, man, you need to be here the next three weeks as we dive into this series that we are calling It Is Well. And during this series, we're gonna focus on what Jesus means. What does he mean when he says, my peace I give you? Now, the peace that Jesus offers, it's a little bit different, as we said, than the rest of the world. So you need to understand it at a different way. Uh, but really, it could be better defined as this concept of serenity. But I know as soon as I say serenity, some people are smiling, and I see you in Oak Creek, Franklin. I know you're doing it too. Um, you need to get it out of your system, so let's roll the video. All right, feel better? We did it. Okay, uh, I want less yelling this festivist Christmas, less yelling this Christmas. So here's the real definition of serenity. Serenity means a state of being calm, peaceful, or untroubled. And I really latch on to that last word, untroubled, because I see it as such a great counter to the stress and the chaos of expectations this time of year. There's a prayer that's been around, gosh, almost a hundred years now, and it really gives us handles to understand the concept of serenity a little bit better. Uh, it's called the Serenity Prayer. You might've heard at least part of it before it was popularized when somebody within Alcoholics Anonymous got a hold of it and started printing it on cards and handing it out. Um, here's just the first part of it. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And here's what we're gonna do each week during this series. We're gonna take just a little piece of the serenity prayer and somebody from the Christmas story, and we're gonna layer them together, and we're gonna walk away with a better understanding of God's serenity and how it can apply to all of us and our circumstances this holiday season. And so I really hope you're with us all three weeks, but today's week one, and then you are going to get a master class in the first part of the serenity prayer, the serenity to accept what we cannot change. And we're gonna learn more about this by looking at the life of Jesus's mom, Mary. Now, the beginning of her story might sound a little bit familiar to most of us. She gets a visit from an angel, his name's Gabriel. So he shows up on the scene and this is what he tells her. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him a throne of his father, David. We're like, oh my gosh, Mayor, this is great news. He picked you. Let me just say, she is not thinking any of that. She's not thinking, yay, I get to be Jesus's mom. She's not thinking, yay, they're going to name a football play after me. And she's definitely not thinking, yay, I'm going to be the most pictured woman in history, at least until Kim Kardashian. 
That's not her. The text clues us in, okay? This is what she's thinking. Mary was greatly troubled at his words. Mary didn't know what was coming for her or for Jesus. When this angel first shows up on the scene, it isn't in her frame of reference. Have a proper expectation of where she was in this moment. See, she told her story to Luke, the guy who wrote this gospel, years after Jesus' death and resurrection. And if I were Mary telling my story to Luke, he would need to clean up my language because I would be way more than greatly troubled. Here's why. Mary's young and she's a woman and she is lucky enough to be engaged. And what you have to understand is what Jewish culture meant and what this point in history meant to the reality that Mary was facing, okay? So at this point in history, when you were engaged as a young Jewish couple, it was way different than an engagement today. An engagement then started with the parents of the bride and the groom coming together and they would agree on a bride price. And once that agreement was made, then it would go public and everybody would get to know you're engaged. And then for the next year, the couple would live apart, live with their parents, and it was kind of like a purity contest or challenge of their character, particularly the woman's, because if at any point in that year she would show up pregnant, the whole thing could be annulled. And so you need to remember, Mary is already engaged. She's already in this process when the angel shows up and goes, good job, Mayor, congrats, you're prego, Joe's not the dad. See, the reality of her situation is that she would have been considered by everyone around her an adulteress. And the punishment for adultery was stoning at this time. So if, if Joseph decides not to have her killed, he definitely would not marry her because that is what Jewish law commanded at the time. But we're gonna talk a lot more about Joseph next week. What I want you to do is just like wrap your mind around Mary's best case scenario, okay? So in this moment, best case for her, this is what she knows. She's gonna be allowed to live. She will be poor, she will be ostracized because you bet her parents will kick her out. She's gonna be a single mom raising an illegitimate son, illegitimate meaning scorned by society, not led in holy places like the temple. So when she says she's greatly troubled, yeah, greatly. But for me, that's what makes her response even more amazing and just like mind blowing. This is what she says. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. It's like knowing everything, everything that she's up against, she looks at that angel and she goes, bring it on. And in that moment, Mary begins to suffer for Jesus before Jesus ever suffers for Mary. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot control. And one of the things Mary's willing to accept is uncertain outcomes. Now, after Jesus is born, Mary and Joseph, they do the custom, they bring him to the temple, and an old man there begins to um, bless the baby and prophesy just this amazing future for him. And again, you're like, awesome, Mary, that's awesome. But she knew it wasn't quite right because it ends with this weird, weird comment from the man. He looks not at Joseph the dad and not at the baby, but right at her, and he says, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. And especially for the women, you know, if you got like any mama bear in you, every moment of every day from there forward, you're gonna have this like pit 
in your stomach that no amount of Tums is going to be able to fix? What is it? What is it? When's it coming? What is the sword? How am I going to know when it finally gets here? God, I'm going to need your serenity. I need your peace. She will also have to accept financial hardships. Listen, in Israel, when a woman gave birth at this time, she was expected to offer a perfect lamb as a sacrifice for the child, but Mary couldn't afford that. So the backup plan was two doves or two small pigeons. And I remember when we dedicated our son, our firstborn here at the Ridge, at the time we were meeting in the Whitnell High School Auditorium and the stage was a lot like this stage. And we would have been lined up with a bunch of other parents who were doing the same thing. And some had kids that were big enough to stand and like I'm holding our son. And as we're getting ready to walk up on stage, I give my husband the look, cause yeah, I got one. And I'm like, I smell trouble brewing, literally. And he looks back at me and it was like this moment that I had wanted to be sacred and holy and had all these expectations for. It got real human real quick. We'll leave it at that. And the reality for Mary is the same thing's happening. Whatever her expectations she had of this moment being special, she knows she's not there with a lamb. She's got two little birds. And the priest takes the families with the lambs first. Because, you know, in this world, that's a lot of times how it is. If you're poor, you wait. And every mom wants the best for their kids. Dads, I'm sure it's the same for you too. And she just knows she can't, she can't control it. Is this it? Is this the sword? Is it my poverty? God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Well, Mary's also going to have to accept her inability to control people, especially her son. You know, when Jesus was 12, they take him back to Jerusalem, back to the temple. And on their way home, Jesus stays, but he doesn't tell his mom and dad. So they keep going. They think he's with relatives. They lose the son of God for three days. So finally, Mary and Joseph hightail it back to the temple and they see Jesus there being all Jesus, astounding people. Like he doesn't even apologize. And it's not Joseph with a dad voice that chimes in. Uh-uh. It's Mary we hear from. She says, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Maybe that's the sword. Maybe it's her anxiety. And he doesn't even apologize. He just says, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I must be about my father's business? Ah, kids! Yeah, you can't nag him enough, convince him enough. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things, the people I cannot control. And, you know, Mary has to accept even more from Jesus as he becomes a man and he begins his public life and she's probably dreaming like, oh, this is going to be the good part. I'm going to get to see like, what is this that we've been waiting for? What is he going to do as he becomes the Messiah and starts acting like it? And whatever the expectations were, man, they go unmet because he ignores the Sabbath and he starts touching lepers and he parties with a tax collector and he lets a prostitute caress his feet with her hair like what? The Messiah is supposed to usher in this new season in Israel, get rid of sin, and he's hanging out with sinners. That don't make sense. And it gets even worse because the religious elite, the faith leaders of the day, she expects that they're going to rally around her son, the Messiah, the one they've all been waiting for, except they're the ones instead that plot to kill him. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, and she can't change it. She can't. 
because in the end, Jesus is crucified. And we learn from the text that she's standing there. She's standing near the foot of the cross. So if she's standing near enough to see it, she can also hear and smell and everything. And if you're a parent, just kind of let yourself understand the gravity of what that means. And then, you know, she sees this body, the body that she loves. She knows it's God in human form, and it is. And she can't change the result. But that body was also given to her because she carried him. She gave birth to him. She swaddled him. She hugged him. She carried him around when he was crying and rocked him to bed. She kissed the forehead that is now attached to the body that's hanging on the cross. And eventually they take him down and they pierce the side of the body that she loves and the blood flows. And in my mind's eye, at least it all hits her like a big whoosh. And she's right back with that man in her ear. And a sword will pierce your own soul too. And now she knows. Now she knows. And guess what? If you live long enough, a sword will pierce your soul too. You're going to love and it's going to devastate you. You know, you're going to have a person that you would do anything to help, but you can't. Or a situation that you would do anything to change, and you can't. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change. You know, not because accepting them is going to make my life all bright and cheery. That's not it at all. It's because the God of the cross is also the God of the resurrection. See, three days after Jesus was a boy in the temple, he was found. And three days after, as an adult, he was not found in the tomb. Just that, just the resurrection, the power of that moment in history ushers in this opportunity represented in the hope of one word, redemption. Through everything we experience, everything, we have to trust that God is ultimately writing a redemption story for us. That's why we need his supernatural power. It's only something he can do. We can't. We're not big enough and strong enough. You know, man, taking the things and the people and the situations and the expectations we can't control, that's his job. He turns them into stuff where he is at work because life is messy. And guess what? Messy gets painful. And in the pain, we have to trust that God is doing a work of redemption. He's at work. Now, most 19-year-olds that I know uh, don't think about stuff like this. (laughs) It's kind of heavy. It's kind of lofty. It's far off. They have too much of their life left to live. Um, But there was this one man that had a curveball thrown to him at age 19. I got to meet him later in life. His name's Joe Dembler. Uh, Just a really inspiring, humbling guy. At 19, Joe leaves his house in Port Washington, Wisconsin, and he's called into the army as a private to fight in the Battle of the Bulge front lines in Germany at the end of World War II. And the way Joe tells it, he's standing in this farmhouse as a Nazi tank comes through the side of it, sets off around and sends him flying into the rafters on the second story of the home. And by the time they get him down, the Nazis capture him and they take him to a prison camp and just death is all around him. Stuff we can't even imagine. It takes the Allies three months, but they do liberate the prison camp that he's in. And when they get there, there's a photographer for Life magazine with them who takes a picture of Joe. He weighed 70 pounds at the time. 
The photographer dubs him the human skeleton. And uh, like I said, I've, I've had the opportunity to talk to Joe a bunch of times, and he told me about this, and, and if you were talking to him, he'd tell you the same thing. He said, learn two things in the Nazi prison camp. The first was to pray. And the second is that every day is a bonus. So Joe comes home and he gets married and he has kids and he works at the post office in Port Washington. And uh, you'd go to the grocery store, wherever you're gonna go and you'd see him in the community and you'd like never know his story or that he was a hero because he just looks like your grandpa. He looks like my grandpa and he acts like it too until the local chapter of Stars and Stripes Honor Flight hears Joe's story and kind of adopts him as their ambassador. And they adopt his slogan as their slogan. And until his death recently, Joe would go out and he'd fundraise for local honor flights, which are just flights that take our local veteran heroes to Washington, D.C. to see their memorials at no cost to them. And it brought him joy. And then he'd go to grade schools and he would tell our critical generation about his story to preserve our history. It was amazing stuff. And to this day, every local veteran who goes on an honor flight gets a jacket with Joe's saying on the back of it. And I've been on five honor flights. I can tell you they do tell Joe's story every single time. And every single time there is never a dry eye after. Personally, you see, I've learned something from Joe. It's that war leaves an unspoken and an unbreakable bond between the men and the women who are left in its wake. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot control. <laughs> and listen, I have no idea, none, what it takes to survive a Nazi prison camp for three months, let alone get to the place where you're okay enough inviting God in to have his serenity take over in your soul. That is supernatural, my friends. And I just I want like a little bit of it this Christmas, just a little bit, and I hope you do too just a little bit. You know, we see Mary one more time in scripture, and this time it's in the book of Acts, and Jesus has been resurrected by this point. His disciples are there, his followers are there. She's there too, this time as a follower, and she sees her son, and she sees his scars, and she knows that she has her scars too, and her scars are from surrendering to God. His peace has found a way into her soul. And she knows that no matter her circumstances, it is well. Because if we let them, our scars remind us we're not in heaven yet. See, experiencing God's peace, his serenity, it gives us a taste of what is coming, even while we're still on this side of heaven. And believe me, we are not strong enough, none of us, to handle what this life constantly throws at us on our own. But when you are strong enough to pray in the middle of a Nazi concentration camp or a prison camp, or when you are strong enough to surrender to seeing your child on a cross, I believe that the human in you has given way to the supernatural power that only God can provide. He's taken over and guess what? He wants to do the same for you this Christmas season. You're gonna say, hey, my situation is nothing compared to what those people endured. Guess what? Doesn't matter. Same God, same power, same love for you and he wants to show up for you in the same exact way. It's available to you. 
So maybe it does look a little bit different. That's all right. Maybe you're going to ask God to get involved and grant you the serenity to accept the people that you cannot change. And you're just gonna let go when that person, you know who, they make the passive aggressive comment this season and it's only meant to trigger you anyway. You're gonna accept that you cannot change him and you're gonna ask for God's serenity to help release everything that goes with it. Or maybe your calendar or your finances are struggling to meet expectations that culture places on it this time of year. And you can't control what culture does, but man, you are gonna ask God for the serenity to accept where you are and to be satisfied with it. And you're gonna be healthy this season in a new way. Or maybe like me, you're gonna ask God to help you release what you can't control from your past and definitely not place it on the people you're with this season and ask him for the serenity to just like enjoy the moment with who's in front of you and be fully, fully present. Look, hear me. The pain and the struggles of this world, I know, I know they're real. Life is not perfect. God's peace is perfect. And instead of chasing what we can't control this Christmas, let's chase his peace. I want us to be people of serenity, okay? Let's commit. Let's commit to praying the serenity prayer. We're gonna do it every morning and every evening, and some of us are gonna need it all throughout the day because we need more and we want him to ask and beg him to show up and to do what only he can do. It's why we need his supernatural ways in our lives, especially this season. And I wanna close our time today by asking all of us to read this prayer together. So online, Oak Creek Franklin, I wanna hear you as well. Here's the thing, I don't want you to just read it. I want you to read it that in a way, in your heart of hearts, you know that you are begging God to show up for you and to give you what only he can give you this season. So I hope you're ready. Ready? Go. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Heavenly Father, may that be true of us. May it be true of us. May we not settle for anything less than inviting you and your supernatural ways into our lives this season. Heavenly Father, today in particular, man, we just, we come to you saying it's tough to give up control. We can technology or buy or time or overschedule our way out of so much stuff these days. But we know that ultimately that doesn't give us your peace. That's of the world. God, would you grant us what only you can give so we really, truly, truly can accept what we cannot change and use that as a way to surrender to you and welcome in the serenity, the peace that only you and only your son can bring. We pray this all in your son's mighty name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Rich Community Church's podcast. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to host you at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and more about our kids' and students' environments, visit us at theridgecc.com. That's theridgecc.com.